Hey there, everyone. How are you doing? I'm James. I'm the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church, and this is The Essentials. It's our podcast where we can explore our faith a little bit deeper and celebrate the hope, the good news that we find out in the world. So for today, I have for you our lessons and the message from Sunday, September 24th. Our first reading came from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, and it was verses 2 through 15. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots of cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into the desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they've collected, it will be twice as much as they collected on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that the Lord, that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glorious presence, because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening, and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord heard the complaints you made against him. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Come near to the Lord, because he's heard your complaints. As Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned to look toward the desert. And just then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, At twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will have your fill of bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface were thin flakes as thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And our gospel reading, we continue to be in the gospel of Matthew. It was chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed with the workers to pay them a denarian, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day? Because nobody has hired us, they replied. He responded, You also go into the vineyard. 
When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired, and move on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarian. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarian. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowner. These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to them, Friend, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarian? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give this one to the one who was hired last, the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. Here ends the readings of the word. Now, both of those lessons that the lectionary selected for this Sunday are such terrific passages. Between the Israelites and the manna in the wilderness, and then Jesus telling the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, actually spent the majority of the week just trying to decide which lesson to focus on for a sermon. They both truly deserve a sermon on their own, and I told our congregation that I was tempted to double up and preach twice on Sunday morning. I could see the fear in their eyes because the Packers played at noon this past Sunday, and if there's one thing you don't do in worship Sunday morning in Wisconsin, it's risk making people late for kickoff. So I made a compromise. Instead of two sermons on Sunday, I offered two five-minute reflections so we could enjoy both of these passages and see the entire Packer game. I didn't have a halftime show for them, unfortunately. Maybe that's something I can think of for next time. But for us, we will start with that lesson from Exodus. We begin by finding the Israelites putting on one of the strongest what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of attitudes that I think I've ever seen. They have just been slaves in Egypt for centuries, for generations. They have just crossed the Red Sea with God's help. They walked on dry land into freedom as Pharaoh's army got swept away. They are saved on the journey to the promised land. So you'd think they would be overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude, feeling so hopeful for the future. But that is not the case. Our reading starts just 45 days after they walked through the Red Sea. They left slavery less than two months ago. And here they are wishing that they had just died in Egypt. At least when they were slaves, they had consistent food to eat. But here in the desert, they're starving. And that incredible miracle that saved them just a short time ago, that's long forgotten. They have a new desperate and urgent need that demands God's attention. 
And with all of their moaning and complaining, even as they grumble their frustrations at Moses and by default grumble them at God, God hears them all and continues to provide for them. And it's not so much what God provides as how God provides it that I think is important for us to remember. So we see that God provided manna, which is literally translated to, what is it? Because the Israelites didn't know what this was, this bread from heaven. But God provided just enough to get through each day. And then a little bit extra on Saturday so they could get through the Sabbath without having to harvest. But they couldn't hoard it because this manna would spoil. It would go bad. So God gave them just what they needed to survive each single day. And God would do that for them for 40 years as they lived off of this manna. 40 years getting exactly what they needed for each day. No more, no less. And with that monumental event of crossing the Red Sea so fresh in their minds, think of how different it would be to rely on God for a humble amount of food each day. They saw God being there in the life-changing, the life-saving moment. But now they came to know God as the one providing for them in the days and years that would follow. And for us, too, we look to God for those big things in our lives. Help us get that job we really want. Please heal our relative who is sick. Be with us as we navigate those seemingly impossible challenges that exist in our world. We want God to be there in the big ways when we're standing at the Red Sea of our own journeys. And we're just hoping for a miracle that can provide a safe path for us. And I think it's beautiful to look to God in those moments, to know that the creator of this universe cares for us when we face those big milestones and challenges. But how often? Do we really thank God for what we now would call more ordinary blessings? Not just to say grace and thank God before a meal, but to stop and thank God for giving us what we need to get through this day. As I'm recording, Monday, September 25th, today. Thank you, God, because I have what I need to tackle this day because of you. Sure, I might have a lot on my mind. I might have a lot on my plate in the future, and I carry tremendous worries and anxieties that will be forced to overcome in the future. But you have given me enough to make it through this day, and I know you'll be there for me tomorrow. I think we would replace a lot of grumbling and groaning in our lives with awe and wonder 
if we took a moment to step away from those huge things and just stopped to be present with God's blessings today. Amen. And that's our halftime break. One reflection down, one to go. We'll switch gears and join Matthew's gospel for the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. When I was starting my freshman year of college, I had some pretty big hopes and dreams for finding success on our cross-country team. My older brother was a senior on the team, and I had spent the last three years going to his meets, cheering him on, getting to know the coach and my future teammates as well. And in my excitement, that summer I increased my mileage. I knew that longer races were something that I was going to be better suited for in college. I thought I had a chance to make an impact right away. So while I was running 80 miles a week, going to morning practice and running an extra rep or two of our workouts, my roommate, who was also on the team, had a different approach. Because he could get by on 40 miles a week. He would turn around on long runs to go 10 miles while I went 18 with the upperclassmen. And he'd sleep right through those morning practices. Dan was an immensely talented runner who was just discovering his potential when we arrived on campus as the two potential standout freshmen. And that year, living and competing together absolutely drove me up a wall. There was no comparison when it came to how hard we worked. Everyone could see that I was putting much more time in. What killed me, though, was that every Friday or Saturday when we towed the line, Dan would kick my butt up and down that cross-country course. And that just was not fair. I put in the miles while he was sleeping. I stayed longer when he left early. It was outrageous that he would find this amount of success. And this intense jealousy took hold of me to the point where I couldn't even be happy for him. So when he made the regional team towards the end of the year, and I was just an alternate, I rolled my eyes. When he advanced with the team to nationals, and I got to go watch by driving down with my parents, I could hardly find the energy to cheer for him as he ran by. I was furious for an entire year. And you know what? I spent all that time thinking that he stole something from me that he didn't deserve. When really, I was given every opportunity I was promised when I started school. When we raced, Dan had to cover every blade of grass that I had to cover. We ran on the same course. It wasn't like I was running uphill for five miles while he was on flat ground. We would race the same teams. We had the same number of chances to impress our coach when it mattered. 
he was just better. And that was it. And really, the sad thing is, I probably would have viewed my freshman year as a success if it wasn't for him. To be an alternate on a national team your first year would have been an amazing achievement. But I couldn't even appreciate it because my sense of worth was based entirely on what Dan was achieving. Even though I got exactly what I had earned and deserved, I got everything I wanted, a chance to run in college, a chance to race with the best and have a good time, nothing was taken away from me. But freshman James was in crisis mode because someone who worked a little bit less got to enjoy the opportunity that he deserved as well. And the laborers in the vineyard from that parable from Jesus, they are also crying that life is not fair because they're jealous. Jealous that people who worked for a shorter duration received an equal pay. But those who started earlier, they weren't robbed of what was promised to them. They got exactly what they agreed to receive. But its value diminished in their eyes because what they received was the same amount given to the others who worked less. But if they knew that they weren't impacted negatively by this, then they should have seen this generosity from the landowner for the blessing that it was. They were working for a denarii, which is about minimum wage. It is just enough to get by. And those who got to work late in the day, because of this generosity, now they could provide for their family. This meant fewer people would be going hungry that evening. It was good news for their community that people had an opportunity to improve themselves. If the first workers weren't so obsessed about getting more or less than others, they could have been celebrating the simple fact that others within their community were being lifted up and were being made whole at no cost to them. And Dan having success, that was a good thing for our team for the community I was a part of. He helped us qualify for nationals. The better he was, the better it was for our community. But because I thought I deserved more, I had a lot of trouble seeing it that way. And that was an incredibly selfish thing to do. And it's foolish for all of us to start stacking up our blessings with others in this life. And when we start to get lost comparing ourselves to what others have, we often arrive at a place where it feels like we are missing something. We should have more money. We should have more things. We should be better at this or at that. Not because we don't already have enough 
and everything we need, but because others have more, or they have something different that we don't. But instead of worrying if our gifts are better or worse than someone else's, we should spend our energy embracing the opportunities that God gives us in this life. And if we're able to appreciate what we have without comparing it to someone else, then when we see them experience a blessing, it's not a competition for us to match. It's not something for us to feel cheated. When they're blessed, it's an example that our community is thriving. And good news for a member of the community that we are a part of, that's good news for all of us. Amen. Thanks for stopping by for another episode. You can learn more about the church I serve, the Freedom Moravian Church. You can check us out uh, on our website. You can keep up with our latest events on Facebook. You can worship with us on YouTube. Or you can learn more about the Moravian Church by going to moravian.org. So take care, be well. I uh, will catch you all next time.